Hello, and welcome to the Get Transformed podcast of Transformation Christian Fellowship. We are so excited that you're tuning in, and we hope that you will be empowered and transformed by the Word of God. John chapter 5, verse 17, and it reads, But Jesus replied, My Father is always working, and so am I. Jesus replied, and he said, My Father is always working, and so am I. So am I. I want to talk to you and put in, I want to talk to you from this subject this morning in our behind the scenes series entitled Always Working always working put in the chat section for me say God is always working always working we've been in a series for the last few weeks entitled behind the scenes where we take a look into the operation of God in the unseen realm so we can navigate our natural reality and so last week we talked about the verdict and we went into the courtroom of heaven where there, the sons of God and Satan were present. And, he, and Satan made an accusation about um, Joshua. And um, we talked to you about how at the end of the day, God is the ultimate judge and he counted him justified and that his verdict was not guilty. This morning I want to take a look and magnify and put a magnifying glass on the creator of the universe and for our limited ability to comprehend all of what God is let's put him under a magnifying glass this morning and take a look at what Jesus says when he says my father is always working and so am I In order for you to understand this, we must magnify an aspect of God, which refers to his providence, divine providence. Let me get into the doctrine of providence and see if we can find, find, find out a little bit more about God for a second. Is that all right? Let's get into the doctrine of providence. Providence, ladies and gentlemen, is um, it literally means uh, foresight. One of the things or attributes we know about God is that he's omniscient. One of the things that we know about him is, is that he knows the end from the beginning. There is nothing that God does not know. There is nothing that God does not um, foresee. God never reacts. He doesn't have to. He knows every possible outcome. Divine providence, ladies and gentlemen, it generally denotes the governing power of God that oversees his creation. Now, not only his physical creation, but also his unseen creation that you don't see. That includes the angels, all of the hierarchy he has in heaven as we talked about. All of that are how he interacts between us. 
So it is him able to govern the unseen realm as well as the seen. Psalm 82 verse 1, again, God, stand, he presides among other gods and he stands in the count, standeth in the council of other gods. That's referring to the sons of God, um, that they are this, God has this hierarchy in heaven, whereas though it's just not the angels that exist, it's not to say that angels may not, some of the angels may not be sons of God, but it is to denote, ladies and gentlemen, how God has this hierarchy in heaven of how he has this thing structured. A lot of the pattern that you see on the earth is based upon what he created in the unseen realm. For it is the unseen realm that is the parent to the seen. Yeah. It is the unseen realm that is the parent to, uh, to the seen realm. It is that realm that is eternal is this realm that is fading. Paul tells us in Corinthians that, again, the things that we see are temporal. But the things we do not see, ladies and gentlemen, are eternal. And so with the providence of God, it is literally talking about how he oversees his creation and how he works out his plan for it. God has a plan for everything. It is how God literally has the foresight, the foreknowledge. He already knows the end. And not only that he knows the end, but he has plans to, for uh, to he has plans to, uh, for and he has plans that make up a means to an end. Does that make sense? It is literally how he interacts with the world and his people, often involving divine care, direction, intervention, and also God's providence or pradnoa, protection, providence of God in the provision and sustaining. Oftentimes, divine providence is rooted in God's sovereignty. It is rooted in this doctrine of him being a being sovereign. Ladies and gentlemen, what we can basically try to sum this up to make it make sense to us. It is God in eternity past in the counsel of his own will ordained everything that will happen. Yet in no sense is God the author of sin, nor is human responsibility removed. It is the primary means by which God accomplishes his will through secondary causes. For example, the laws of nature that he put in place. Not only the laws of nature, but also that we're looking at human choice. That God's providence does not uh, overrule human choice. Uh, But he works with choice. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That he works with it. He does not oppose human choice. While he has a determined destination for you and I's life, you and I ultimately decide whether you're going to fulfill it or not. Ladies and gentlemen, this doctrine of providence is often the thing that makes all of us scratch our heads. And why some people remain atheists. And why some people have this hatred and this bitterness towards God. Because if he's so if he's so uh, great and if he's so big and your God of the Bible is all of this, then why he didn't do this or why he didn't do that? It is the biggest thing that people have been wrestling with for years. Why does things happen to people in general? Why did I go through this tragedy? Why did I experience all of this? 
Ladies and gentlemen, what we don't know, everything there is, of why God does what he was. If he did, then that would make us God. There are certain things that we do not know, but yet God invites us to wrestle with him. God allows us to wrestle with the fact of when tragedy and things like that hits our lives, we look at him. I know I have. How many of you have? Come on. If you ain't keep on living, that's what the people say. If you ain't, if you ain't wrestled with this whole thing and wrestled with your faith, keep on living. You're going to wrestle. You're going to hit a time in your life where you're going to figure out, do I even believe this thing anymore? That's why the Christian faith is about who preserves to the end. But yet in God's providential order, ladies and gentlemen, he's always constantly working to sustain the very thing that he's created. Can I give you an analogy to kind of make this make sense a little bit? And then I'm going to give you some examples in the scripture to kind of make this make sense. Is that all right? Yeah. Let me give you this analogy. Let's suppose that we have two men, right, before a chessboard. You have one man that is a novice and the other is an expert player of the game. The expert intends to beat, but he cannot foresee exactly what any one actual move of his adversary may be. He knows, however, all the possible moves of the latter, and he knows in advance how to meet each of them by a move of his own, which leads in the direction of victory. And the victory ultimately arrives after no matter how devious a course in the one predestined the, in the one predestined form of checkmate to the novice king. What am I trying to tell you? What is this analogy trying to show you? That you got a novice king, then you got one that's an expert. The one that's the expert already knows all possible moves that person could make. And all he's doing is anticipating the move that that novice will make because he knows if he make this move, I got this. Ultimately, God is the expert player. We're the novice. (laughs) And God knows exactly every move that you could possibly make. He waits for you to make the move and then he'll counter. (laughs) God knows, all right, you're going to go here. I'm going to go here. If you're going to make this decision, I'm going to help you go here. Because ultimately, I'm going to get the checkmate. My plan, you you got to understand, God's plan for your life is victory. It's ultimately victory at the end of the day. But how you get to that victory will determine based on your choice. If you make certain choices that aligns to God's will, then you may get there a little quicker. You and I are novice. You and I don't know this game of life that God knows. He's the one who created it. He knows this is not an experiment of earth. It's not an experiment. Creation is not an experiment. This is not something that God, let me experiment on these creatures and see what happens. No, God intentionally created us to live as spirit beings in a human body. To live a human experience. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so behind the scenes, we we put the magnifying glass on God because behind the scenes, God knows you're in. But he's looking at your choice. (laughs) And even if you get off track, 
If you make the choice to get back on track, God got a plan to get you there. Can I give you some examples? Joseph. Joseph is an example. I got three examples, so I'm looking at the time. And I'll finish this on Tuesday. But listen, Joseph, right? Providence, right? God gives him a vision. They say a dream. You know what I'm saying? This dream Joseph did not conjure is a, a dream that God gives to him about how one day he will be a ruler and his family will submit to him. But God, let's start with this. God's plan, right, was that he would use Joseph to preserve Israel. That's the ultimate plan. Let's remember, keep that at the forefront of your mind. His bigger plan is that he will be a person that will preserve Israel. This is important. Gets the plan, but God knows that the hatred of his brothers. Joseph, ladies and gentlemen, he knows that his father, Jacob, has favored him. Joseph is one of the youngest sons. Joseph got a coat of many colors from his father. Joseph loved his dad. His daddy loved him some Joseph, right? His brothers hated that. The brothers come up one day and say that, listen, we're going to throw him in jail. I mean, we're going to kill him. Let's kill him. Let's get rid of him. It never happened. Dad, I will never miss him. You know what I'm saying? Let's get rid of him. And, um, and so the, does God stop them? From doing what they did. No. But somebody gets the idea. Instead of killing them. Let's just put them in slavery. The providence of God. Couldn't kill him because he got a plan for Joseph. So somebody. Quote unquote gets a bright idea. Influenced. Throw him in slavery. But he's supposed to be this big shot dude. That's going to rescue Israel. Right. Preserve them, help to preserve them, right? But does God prevent him getting thrown in jail? I mean, getting thrown uh, in slavery? No. But when he was in slavery, the scripture says that he was favored there. (laughs) God knew that Potiphar, Potiphar's wife, was a freak. That she leaves the door open. And she wanted <laughs> help me hurt the leaves. I know I'm just, I'm sorry. I haven't wanted to do that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's get back on track. But he knew that about Potiphar. That part of his wife would want Joseph because Joseph was a good-looking man. He was there doing good, and Potiphar invited him in, left the door open. And guess what Joseph did? He ran. And he knew that Potiphar's wife could not, could not tell the truth that she was the one that was trying to get to Joseph, so she lied. Did God stop her from lying? No. Did God work against her from doing that? No. He worked what? With it. 
I'm showing you something about divine providence here. Listen, he gets in jail. And so happily, there's two people who worked in Pharaoh's court was in there too. The cupbearer and the baker. Joseph has the ability to interpret dreams. He has that ability, right? They have a dream. And let's just say, for one, it ends good, and the other, adios amigo. Sorry. <laughs> one lives, one dies, <laughs> unfortunately. And so one of them gets out, one of the servants, they get out, they return back to the court. Pharaoh has a dream. This is all the providential aspect of God. Pharaoh has a dream. And in that dream, he has this, this dream and nobody can interpret it. And Pharaoh said, if nobody can interpret it, I'm about to kill all y'all up in here. So here we go. The dude was like, oh, I remember this guy, Joseph, in jail. The providence of God. Behind the scenes, you see that God did not avoid, did not try to have Joseph go over or go under. He just had him go through it. Because in God's providence, his way of getting him to the court was that he had to be in jail. <laughs> and he could have, God could have had other ways for him to go by, but he chose that way. I don't understand why God would have me go through all of this to just finally get to a place. It doesn't make sense. I'm like, can I could just, can I could have just met them like at the grocery store, maybe at, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I could have just made it easier. You just had to take me through. I had to go up the hoops and the girl tried to set me up. I, I just don't understand. Just don't understand. But you know that he, that humbled him during the process. Because in God's providence, he knew that there's stuff that he, Joseph needed along the way that this route is the only way he had to go by to get there. <laughs> and so Joseph gets there and he interprets the dream, right? He interprets the dream and then you see that it is fulfilled. Now, in the providence of God, did he work against the decisions of man? No. What did he do? He worked what? with it <laughs> I want you to understand that Romans 8:28 is very real that God works with everything that all things ultimately work out this is what I want you to see here I want you to see what Joseph says this is what he tells his brothers he says but as for you you meant it you meant evil against me but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to what to save many people alive <laughs> So ultimately God know excuse me ultimately Joseph knew that this was God's ultimate plan you meant it for my evil see God don't work again healed he can know how to use something terrible and still make it look good. <laughs> that is crazy. How can tragedy still bring about goodness? This is the thing I'm still wrestling with. How can evil still go about? How can God turn my the death of, a, of, a, of an accident or a drunk drive? How can that turn out for anybody's good? 
Why? Does, how can God use that? I don't understand. But he uses it. Because sometimes you don't know that sometimes tragedy can bring about a saving for another person in your family. Or others who was on their way to hell. But the tragedy is what brought them to meet God. It's something that blows my mind. And you wrestle with the pain of that because I know all of us have. It's like, ugh, why? <laughs> Could we do something else? Can I give you an example or another example? Say God is always working. So y'all look at the lineage, right? And we always skip through the lineages in scripture. I mean, it's so long, right? But do you see how God worked through all of that to finally get Jesus here? <laughs> do you not see that? All of that. The lineage is there so you understand how Jesus got here. The 42 some generations. God was working <laughs> to bring about his own self. Now, let me ask you this. When God sent his son, did he go against his law? No. He came and submitted himself in human form. <laughs> he don't work against what he committed. He just works with it. <laughs> oh, my God. Watch me. We have a, we, all right, so let's go to Jesus. Jesus, people, could, Jesus had enemies, I mean, the Sanhedrin, they couldn't stand him. I mean, this brother. See, in our text today, they wanted to kill him for what he just said there. Yeah. Number one, he healed on the Sabbath. That's what's going on in John chapter 5. Oh, my God. Let not my, nobody come to Jesus on the Sabbath. And then not only that, but this is what really made them good mad. He said that my father's working and so am I. They was like, oh, off of his head. Blasphemy. Get him. Cut off his tongue. I mean, that's how they were. They was like, oh, my God, they, I can't believe. You know why they was mad? Because he associated himself to be God. Yeah, yeah. And anybody who tells you that Jesus never said he was God in the New Testament, you crazy. <laughs> he said it right there. He said, my father's working and so am I. That means he, he puts himself equal to the father, but yet distinct from the father. That he's still his own person, but yet me and the father are one, and yet he working, so am I. Me and the father are one. See, the, the Jews of that day, the, Hebrew, the Hebrews of that day would understand what he was saying. That's why they got upset. They understood what the, the prophecies of the Messiah would be. And, they, and when he said that, they were like, uh-uh, no, you ain't. Mm -mm, that ain't you. That ain't you. That ain't you. Let's kill him. Jesus wasn't phased by it. But watch this. In the account of Jesus, right, we see that at his birth there was a death decree out. Right? And so I want you to see the providence of God. In his providence, right, he, the angel Gabriel, comes to Mary. Tells her you're going to have a child. You highly favored woman. You know what I'm saying? Not only that, but the messenger, angel, here we go. Angels are messengers. Again, he was, they were sent by God. They serve God, and not only do they serve God, but they serve us as too. They serve us as well. So he, ser so he goes down there. Gabriel goes, visits uh, 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 um, uh, Mary. He didn't have no angel wings. 
all that little stuff, angels come in human form when they come to visit. They ain't coming with, I don't know what type of, you know, third chapel you didn't see in the movie. <laughs> like there's a halo over their head and uh, wings flapping. No, they don't, it's not like that. But an angel came, right? Angel comes, talks to Gabriel, uh, uh, Gabriel um, comes to Mary, then he goes to Joseph, speaks to Joseph. Not only that, but then the angel of the Lord visited the wise men. The wise men were present, and, and, and they had to make a decision if they're going to go there. But I want you to see all of this, right? The wise men were sent to give an account back to um, King, King Herod, right, about, uh, hey, let us know if that's a savior. We, you know, because they knew Herod wanted to kill this boy. <laughs> he wanted him dead, all right? And see, this is the providence of God. Did God stop the decree? No, he didn't. He didn't stop the decree. And yet he was, and his son was here. You know what I'm saying? He didn't stop the decree. And, and watch this. So after Jesus born, the wise men visiting all that stuff right there, the, uh, there was an angel of the Lord that came to Joseph, said, get this baby and the woman out of here and flee to Egypt because they coming. Again, why in God's providence that he did not avoid this, but the angel came to interact, to intervene, because it was not yet time for him to die. He couldn't die in this state. So the angel of the Lord, this is God's providence now intervening protection to sustain and preserve Jesus tells Joseph, hey, get them out of there. And then guess what? When the time came for them to come back, then the angels of the Lord came again and said, y'all could return. Let's speed up when Jesus becomes older. He picks a man by the name of Judas to be in his 12. Does God work? Jesus being God, does he? Work against the decisions of man. No. Everybody asks, why would Jesus choose Judas? Because there's a part in John that says that Jesus knew the hearts of men, making him to be equal with God. So if God is, if Jesus is, is knowing, he knows that this man, Judas, can help him in fulfilling his purpose. <laughs> and guess what? In the here's and here, I want you to see something. The Bible says that when the time came that Satan entered in Joseph, entered in Judas, and Jesus told him, "Do what you're going to do quickly." Why? Because Jesus, knowing full well the heart of Judas. He knew that his greed was so great. He knew that this man's heart would be the very person I need to sell me out to get to where I'm going. This is the providence of God. He foreknows this and he puts him there for a reason. Because he knows that this guy will get him there and let me tell you something when Jesus was in the garden 
And he asked his father, is there any other way? Did God avoid Jesus from experiencing the tragedy? No. <laughs> Did God, his father, tell his son that, no, there's another way? No, nah, he didn't. He just what? He worked with him. Oh, my God, because his ultimate plan for eternal life was that people would believe on his son. And in God's providence, he said, and this is when Jesus says, OK, if this is the way I got to take, nevertheless, your will be done, not mine. Are you seeing this? The reality of the matter is, y'all, is that God has outcomes for days. He got moves for days. And there's nothing that catches God by surprise because he has a means to every end. He has a means. He has a way to get you to wherever you he had destined for you to go if you so choose. Because still at the end of the day, did Jesus have a choice? Yes, he did. <laughs> do you and I have a choice? Yes, you do. Could Jesus have chosen to have angels? Jesus said, I could have a fleet of angels come and get me down from here. But his decision was, I'm going with the will of God, and I know the pain that I'm about to face. I know what I'm about to encounter. But guess what? what I, Jesus knew what the end goal was. And if I can focus on the end goal, I know that my God is going to comfort me and keep me and preserve me while I'm going through this. Do you see what I'm saying? God, if we put it in the context of time, because God lives outside of time, if we put it in the context of time, God is working 24-7. Oh, my God, 24-7, 365 days out of a year. God is always at work. You see that I've just given you examples of how the providence of God, why did I go through that? I'm talking about the things that God allowed us to go through, not the decisions you've made. Decisions and what God allowed are two different things. We're talking about the things that God has allowed for a purpose. And an intention to get you. He said, my plans are good. And see, here's the thing. We associate the goodness of God with how well things are going in our life. And we associate God's goodness as if I got all this money in the bank, if I got all of this happening, and we don't never associate how God can use suffering and pain and tragedy and the ups and the downs, depression and all of this stuff to bring about a good result in the end. <laughs> yes, it sucks in the middle of it. If I was Joseph, I would, I would quit. But here's what David said. I would have fainted. Yet I've seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Here we go. Watch me. Psalm 121. Psalm 121 says this. The God... The father is always consistently at work. And it says, behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. God don't sleep. God don't rest. 
Well, how about Genesis chapter 2 when it said that, that God rested on the seventh day? God did not rest on the seventh day in the sense that he needed to rest. He only rested to show us the pattern on how we ought to rest when we go through a seven-day uh, seven week. So on the seventh day, he rested to give us a pattern. But really, if we look at the deeper look at rest, ladies and gentlemen, in the Hebrew, it is not just a, it's not just a stoppage of work. It is also the contentment and the tranquility that we experience because God looked at everything he said and he was good with it. He looked at everything, said, I'm good with that. I know upon the word that everything is going to rotate like it needs to. It gives us a pattern that, guess what? Don't work yourself to such a hole. You got to be content with the things that you have placed. Don't work yours over. God rested to show us the pattern that I did all of this in six days. And if I'm showing you what to do, this is what you need to follow. This is what you and I need to follow. God does not sleep nor slumber. He is not like us that needs the rest. God don't. He's always aware. God doesn't, he does not, he does not stop. Can I keep on moving? Not only that, but the rest of the Godhead is always at work as well. Jesus is constantly advocating for us. Uh, 1 John 2 verse 1 says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And so, again, Jesus is an advocate of, of ours uh, 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 with the father that Jesus did not ascend and get seated to do nothing. But he, he, he was seated there because every time the father looks at him, he sees the advocate because he is the one that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And when father sees his son and looks at you, he sees that the advocate has already gone on your behalf and his righteousness has been imputed upon you and I that would believe. Let me keep moving and I'll finish this up on Tuesday. Not only that, but the spirit of God is constantly at work. The spirit of God is constantly. Well, man, let me give you Hebrews 7 verse 25 as it refers to what Jesus does. Hebrews uh, 7 verse 25 says, therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost who come to God through him since he always lives to do what? Make intercession. That means that he stands as an intercessor for you and I, that he always is. He lives that Jesus role in heaven is to pray. But those of you who don't think intercession and praying is important, it is. Because that is one of the roles of Jesus in heaven, that he intercedes. He said, Peter, Satan come to sift you as weak, but I pray. I've interceded. I've standed in the gap that your faith will not fail. Jesus stands that as we are going through this life experience, as the providence of God is being laid out, that listen, I know you're going to experience tragedy. That's why Jesus is our chief high priest, because we do not serve a chief. He, he could not be the chief high priest unless he could be in touch with our own infirmities. And so Jesus knows what it is to experience tragedy. He knows what it is when people turn their back on him. He knows what it is to have a single mother. He knows what it is to have to fend and have to work to make a living for not only himself, but for his brothers and sisters. 
He knows what it is. See, you and I don't put Jesus in that sense. You see him as the big God, but you don't see him as the person. <laughs> you don't understand that he had to go through some things. And if God himself had, oh my God, submitted himself to his own experience, what makes you think you so better than him? Jesus knows what it means to weep with a loss of a loved one. Jesus knows what it means to experience loss. Jesus knows all of these things, and yet we in our minds think that we are the only ones who are going through this life experience. Do me a favor. Look at your kids in the room. Look at your faith and look at your, your significant loved one. Those of you who are here, look at each other in the room. You want to know what all of us have in common? We may have different money and be at different statuses, but you guess what? All of us are going to go through a struggle. All of us got issues. All of us are trying to work this thing out. All of us you're not the only one going through this life oh nobody knows what you are experiencing liar all of us go through stuff man guess what people with money got problems too are you kidding me everybody got something that they dealing with it feel, let me tell you something. All of us feel like, oh, my God, it's me against the world. I felt like that. I know you have, too. If you haven't, keep living. But guess what? It is the prayer of Jesus that your faith won't fail. <laughs> oh, man. Oh my gosh, let me, because you got to understand, let me help you understand something, that there, he's there, to, God is not against you. Why does God not prevent evil? There are certain things that God prevents and certain things he don't. There are certain things that God will intercept and there are certain things he won't. I'm not God. I can't determine why God does this and why God does that. But what I do determine is that if you know the character of God and you know that he is not a person and he's not a God that has ill intention. If you if and see and that's the thing, the rulers of this world has done a good job of trying to blind people of the gospel. To make you blinded to think that God is evil. And a lot of things in the world, God is the easiest punching bag to punch. Because you, you rule out the fact that there's principalities, powers, and that God does not work against them. But he says, okay, they work against him. He don't work against them. <laughs> and God is the masterful chess player. He's so masterful that that's why we've been saying this scripture to you. If the rulers of this world would have known, they would have never crucified him. They would have made another chess move because they knew that that would be the move to seal them. <laughs> and so you don't understand that how God is operating all behind the scenes. And not only that, but the angels of the Lord are working behind the scenes for you and I. Well, I'm coming to a close. Psalm 91 verse 11. For he shall give his what? Angels charge over you to keep you in what? In all your ways. That, that's what the person that dies in your family I'm sorry they'll be the bearer of bad news they are not your guardian angel 
There are humans that go wear a spiritual suit now in heaven. Let's just get that. They ain't coming down here. And listen, if you go into a medium, you need to stop that. Because you ain't talking to your loved one. You're talking to a satanic spirit, and you need to leave that alone. But the truth of the matter is, is that God has has there's protecting angels that God will give charge over you. That's how let me tell let me tell you about God's providence. God is so provident. Oh, my God. You know, that little small voice that you hear in your head that, you know, it ain't you. That's the voice of God trying to guide you in this life. Don't you turn there. Don't you turn there. And guess what? When you, when you don't turn there, you turn on the news and you feel, there was an accident right there. Then you avoided the whole thing. Don't you show up. There was one time uh, they invited, I was my young, my, my friend, he invited me to go to this party. I said, I was going to go, but then I heard this small voice. I know the voice. The voice is the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord, that small voice. It sounded like me, but I knew it wasn't me. I ain't that smart. He said, like, listen, don't you go there. Don't go there. So I didn't go. And so two days later, my friend hit me up. He said, bro, yo, there was a whole stab and a whole fight went down. And I said, I knew I avoided not to mess with you know what's over there because y'all don't know how to have a good time without trying to fight nobody. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is always working at all times. He's trying to lead you and guide you in all truth. There are some things that God will give you a warning. Don't you talk to him. Don't you talk to her. This I'm telling you, she look good, but she ain't that fine to lose your life. All the brothers should say amen. Ladies, the same thing with you. Don't you talk to him. Listen, you see this, Doug? Stalker tendencies. You don't want to be the next you. <laughs> hey, you. Is she looking at me like this? <laughs> Maybe she wants me to talk. To Listen, you got to stay away from people like that. And the Holy Spirit, this is the providence of God, is helping to guide you along. But it's your decision. Does God work against your choice? You married him. Yeah. Okay. He knows the end of that too. (laughs) He knows the end of that too. But guess what he does? He knows how to repair you to get you back on track. God knows how to use your decisions. Don't use, he don't use your decisions against you, but he uses it. He knows the move. So if you go encounter, God got something for you. <laughs> oh, he got something for you. Uh, and I'm going to end it like this. Hebrews 1 verse, uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. God, who at various times in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. You see the plurality of worlds. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, 
when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty of on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has been in, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. It says by the word, verse two. Excuse me, no, verse three. Whom being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person and upholding, upholding all things by the word of his power. What am I trying to tell you? That God is withholding all things through his power. There is nothing, and I mean nothing, that catches God by surprise. He is, ladies and gentlemen, the expert chess player. He knows and you and I are the novice of this whole human experience. And you think you're going to outsmart God. And even the angels the who left God think they can outsmart him. But the thing about God is, is that while you may, have, you, been made, you, may, you may have been made like him in the sense that you have a choice. But you are not God because he knows everything. He knows everything, and there's nothing that catches him by surprise. God is always working. He don't stop working. And if God don't work against my choice, if he don't work against evil, but knows how to preserve me through it, <laughs> then I can be confident that he that has begun a good work in me shall complete it until the day of Christ stand to your feet come on and put in the chat section and say God is always working come on encourage somebody in the Lord in here and tell them God is always at work he does not stop working he doesn't cease his work God is always looking the eyes of the Lord is always going from to and fro God is looking down on you and I and as he's watching over you he's gonna watch over you and until you, until the day of Christ. Until the day of Christ. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what will you do? Yes, it's going to happen. Tragedy will arise. Good things are going to happen to you. There, there's going to be moments where you feel life is melancholy. All of that is going to happen, happen to you. But what you have to understand and what you have to know is this, that weeping may endure for a night. But oh my God, I think of that joy is coming in the morning. And that guess what? The God of Israel neither slumbers nor does he sleep, but he is a keeper. He is a keeper. He is a keeper. And as long as the God of the universe is keeping you, I don't care how you feeling right now. His keeping and sustaining power will push you to your expecting and if you allow him. If you don't know Jesus, I give you Jesus this morning. I'm giving you the one that's always working. God is working to the point that it allowed you to come on this broadcast. This is your chance to make a decision about your life. God has led you here, but you got to make that decision. You got to decide if you're going to give your life to Christ today. Jesus is God. 
He is the mediator between us and the Father. There is no other mediator. It's Jesus the Christ. Everything else hasn't worked for you. Why not try him? Why not give, you a, give yourself an opportunity to experience a real life, a whole life through him today? That if you give your life to him, that you will not perish, but you shall have everlasting life. You don't got to jump through hoops. You don't got to do any of that stuff. All you got to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You may be saying to yourself, Pastor B, I walked away and I want to rededicate my life to Christ. God led you here on this live so you could do that. He led you here on this live so that you could do that. Thanks for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. We hope that you subscribe so that you can continue to be empowered by the latest podcast. For more information on Transformation Christian Fellowship, visit our website at transformationchristianfellowship.org or download our free mobile app on the App Store or Google Play Store. If you would like to support this ministry, simply text TCF1 to 77977. We thank you for your generosity and for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. And remember, transformation starts here.